Amen. Isn't that a wonderful song this morning? I'm glad he's in control. Let's all stand this morning. Appreciate the good singing. Appreciate the good. I felt God uh, all through this service this morning in Sunday school hour. And uh, I appreciate the Lord. These altars are open. You can come pray and stay as long as you need to stay. You're not going to hinder us. Amen. And uh, you'll be obedient to the Lord. How many of y'all thank God Hillary Clinton is not president? Amen. I said that so some of y'all would say amen in this service. And uh, I was preaching up in Pennsylvania this week and uh, a preacher got up before me to preach and uh, he said, you know, the devil's a Democrat. Amen. It took that crowd by surprise too, just like it did y'all. And I liked every bit of that. Amen. I know the whole head is sick, amen, but I think I believe if the devil was going to vote, he'd probably vote Democrat, amen. No doubt about that. Of course, Republicans are about as corrupt as they are now, but thank God the king is coming, amen. And uh, I'm going to preach a few minutes this morning from Daniel chapter number 10. I know that there's no way that I can preach the entirety of this text, and so I'm not going to attempt to do that. But the the principle of what we're going to read this morning has everything to do with what I just said and so much more this morning. And don't forget this afternoon at 4.30 is choir practice and we'll be getting ready for our Stars and Stripes Sunday. And I told them in Sunday school I found something that, that I was needing this week and I started to buy it and it said on the back of it, Made in Pakistan. And so I just put it back. Amen. And uh, I don't care if it was a blue light, red light, green light, special. I don't care if it was. I don't care if it was 99% off. Amen. I just hate supporting terrorism. Amen. And I don't understand. But that's. I said I wasn't going to say that in the sermon. I got it out in the system in Sunday school. We'll just save that for another Sunday. All right. But I like it when it says "Made in the USA." Isn't that right? Amen. Now that don't make anybody mad in this building, but a Democrat. You know that. And remember, the devil is a Democrat. So that's something I learned this week. I thank God for that. Daniel chapter 10 and verse number 1. The Bible said, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true. But the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had uh, understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came, uh, uh, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And the four and twentieth day of the first month, uh, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittakel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, uh, whose loins were girded with uh, fine gold unto Euphaz. His body also was like the burl, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color of polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. Now Daniel alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and I saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me for my comeliness was turned into my corruption and I retained no strength yet heard I the voice of his words and when I heard the voice of his words then was I in a deep sleep on my face and my face toward the ground and behold an hand touched me which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands and he said unto me O Daniel a man greatly beloved understand the words that I speak, uh, speak unto thee 
and stand upright, for unto thee I am now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the king of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground and became dumb. And behold, one, like unto the similitude of the sons of men, touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision of my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this my Lord talk with this my Lord? For as for me, straightway there, there remained no strength in me, neither in their breath left in me. Then there came again and touched me one like unto the appearance of a man. And he strengthened me and said, Old man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee. Be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Then said he, Knowest thou whitherfore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. I will show thee that that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. Let's bow for a word of prayer, and then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence once again, Lord, we want to thank you for the good singing that we've heard this morning, for the good testimonies, for the liberty. We thank you for those, God, that have came to the altar and laid their burdens down. I pray now, God, that you'll bless the reading of thy word, give us liberty, and may the Spirit and the presence of God do that work that no man can do. Help us this morning and draw us close to the cross this morning. Draw us close to your word and may you be glorified. May your son be magnified and the church be edified this morning and we'll praise you and thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to call your attention to this 10th chapter of the book of Daniel this morning. And when we think about this chapter this morning, I want us to think about where Daniel is at at this time in his life. Uh, Daniel talks about several things in chapter number 10 uh, concerning this vision here. And this is an introduction to the vision, uh, chapter 10 is, to the vision uh, that God is going to give Daniel in chapter 11 and 12. I want to say this is the last vision that Daniel is going to see. And Daniel is now in his 90s. He is a senior saint. May I stop and say this this morning? Uh, Y'all to never rule out what God is going to do in your life at any age. Amen. Uh, as I said in Sunday school, a lot of times the devil will say, well, uh, you're too young to serve God. And they'll try to convince you young people that you've got your whole life ahead of you and that you need to wait till you get older to serve God. But that is a lie of the devil. And then he'll try to tell you when you get older in the walking years of your life that you're too old and that you're washed up and that uh, your life is too far gone to ever do anything for God. But I'll remind you this morning that Daniel in his 80s and in his 90s, uh, uh, God used this man more in the latter years of his life than he ever did uh, uh, throughout all of his days. Daniel saw more, Daniel heard more, and Daniel had a closer walk with God in the senior years of his life uh, as he ever did. And that tells us that we're never too young to serve God and we're never too old to serve 
God. Amen? And what chapter 10 is, uh, it's an introduction to that vision that he's about to see. And it tells us, my friend, about the environment of that vision. There's the explanation of that vision. And then there's the enablement of that vision. As God is getting his word uh, unto his servant. Amen? But what this chapter illustrates to us most of all is that from heaven's portals uh, unto earth's premises, uh, uh, my friend, there is a spiritual struggle and a spiritual warfare that is taking place. Uh, uh, This chapter is very important where you and I are living at today uh, because what God does in chapter number 10 uh, is he pulls back the curtain of time uh, and he allows you and I to take just a few moments uh, and get a sneak peek uh, of the warfare that takes place uh, because of heaven's, my friend, uh, desire to work uh, on earth amongst the children of men. And I want to take that thought for a few minutes this morning and I want to preach on this subject by the help of the Lord uh, on spiritual warfare. Amen? On spiritual uh, warfare. I think what God wants us to do this morning is I think God wants us to get our eyes uh, off the earthly. Amen? I think God wants us to get our eyes uh, off the fleshly, the materialistic things of this world. And I think God wants you and I as Christians this morning uh, to look beyond that horizon and recognize that number one, there's another reason that you and I are here. Amen? We're not just here uh, to have houses and land uh, and to have a good job and to make money and to live a good and peaceable life. Uh, uh, But friend, if you're saved by the grace of God, uh, uh, they ought to be a purpose uh, in your heart and my heart this morning and it ought to be a spiritual purpose today. You see, it would be a tragedy for anybody here that's saved to live your life, to just live a good life, to have a bed of ease. If all you and I have is a comfortable job and a good place to live, a sealed house and a a nice car and a few toys and trinkets of this world, if we're born and we live and we die in that facet, then our life, you know what it has been? It has been in other ways for the cause of Christ. Even in ministry, if all my life is, uh, is to just pastor a church with a decent number and a good salary and to just go through life and live as comfortable as what I can live uh, and enjoy the benefits and the pleasure of the ministry. Hey, friend, and there's a lot of folks doing that today uh, that I have wasted the opportunity that God has given me. I thank God for every blessing uh, that God has ever passed by my way. But what last Sunday was to me and to my wife, uh, it was just a reminder that the people of God has been good to us uh, that the church of God has been good to us uh, that God has been good to us uh, but there's a great work to be done there's a great responsibility on our shoulders this morning Uh, and my friend you and I as Christians uh, we're not saved to just exist uh, and to go through this life uh, but we're to make a difference amen that's what Jude said and some uh, having compassion making a difference amen how many of y'all want to make a difference I'm going to tell you something, making a difference is not getting your name in lights. Uh, It's not name, it's not fame. Uh, You ought to want to make a difference on the job that you work at. You ought to want to make a difference in the home uh, with your husband, with your wife, with the children that you're raising. Uh, You ought to want to make a difference in the community as a church. Uh, I don't want to just sit here on the side of the road uh, and just have a good church, do you? Uh, I'll tell you what I want this church to do. I want us to be the salt of the earth, amen? I want us to be the light of the world in this community. 
I want people in this area to know that there's still a place on the side of the road where the presence of God is real, where God is working and God is moving and souls are being saved. Hey, friend, that's the real existence of a church. Amen. And so when we think about that this morning, Daniel in his 90 years of age, there's no way that I can preach 21 verses, so don't get nervous because I'm not going to. But I want you to see these three things concerning the introduction of the vision that he's about to see. I want you to see, first of all, the environment in which this vision is taking place. The Bible says in verse number one that it was in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, you know that Darius was once in control that my friend once Belshazzar died Darius took over uh, and Darius was the uncle of Cyrus uh, but he was only in power for two years uh, it was Darius that put Daniel in the lion's den at 85 years of age uh, it was Darius that signed one of the decrees uh, that was sending the Jews back uh, uh, to their homeland that they could build back their place of worship and the temple uh, and they could build the walls and the gates of the city but there's a problem in the early verses of this text uh, and that is uh, that Daniel is so broken because the book of Ezra in chapter 2 tells us that only 42,360 Jews went back. You say, well, preacher, what did the rest of them do? You know what they did? They got at ease in Babylon. They lived in Babylon and they decided, you know what? We don't want to go back. We don't want to go back to the holy city. We don't want to go back. We've lived here so long. We've enjoyed the comforts of Babylon so much and the prosperity of Babylon that we don't want to go back and so Daniel it may have been his age it may have been my friend because of these visions but for whatever reason three years prior to this text Daniel is not able to go but he is so broken because of the apathy and the complacency of his own people amen friend is that not where we're at today you know what's wrong with our churches today they are filled with good people that have about this much knowledge of that book. They know more about the Bible than any generation that's ever lived. The only problem is they're too sorry and low down and lazy uh, to do anything for God. Now don't get mad because I'm preaching this morning. Now I'm telling you, we got more lazy uh, church members than we've ever had. I mean, listen, if they lived, uh, if they lived their uh, workforce life like they lived their spiritual life, uh, listen, if they was as committed to the work as they was to the church, you know what would happen? They'd be fired before sunup. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, uh, uh, listen, they wouldn't taste. Listen, some of them so lazy when. It comes to serving God, uh, if you put them in the workforce, uh, uh, they wouldn't work in a pie factory tasting pies uh, for $25 an hour. Amen? And isn't it amazing in this country how people love their job and they're so committed to their labor, they're so committed to their work, uh, but it's a struggle to go to church on Sunday night. It's a struggle to go to church on Wednesday night. It's a struggle to pay tithes, uh, but they'll buy shotguns, uh, they'll buy rifles, uh, they'll buy fishing rods, uh, they'll buy golf clubs and God help you if you buy a golf club. Amen. But my friend, listen, they'll buy everything else, but they will not invest in the work of God. You say, preacher, we just had a $42,000 offering two weeks ago. Are you preaching to us? Well, I'm preaching to anybody that's guilty. Amen. Because we're going to get that other $73,000. Isn't that right? Brother, I'm telling you, this is a lazy generation. 
And when we buried these gray-haired saints of God, you young people and young adults, hear me and hear me well. If somebody don't pick up the baton and get serious, not about their church, but about their Christian life, guess what? This place will be a shell of what it is today, 10 years or less from now. I'm telling you, friends, somebody has got to pick up the baton. It don't start next week. It don't start tomorrow. It's got to start today. Amen? I'm telling you, Daniel was so burdened over the complacency of his people that they had an opportunity to go back and to rebuild what they had once lost, but they were too lazy and too materialistic to do so. Brother, that's what's killing us today. It may take God taking away our prosperity till church is the only thing we got, till we realize church is the best thing we got. Brother, I'm telling you this morning, I'm not preaching to be mean. I'm under a burden. Brother, I'm telling you, I want to see Bible Baptist Church keep on going, don't you? And you can't wait till you get in bad shape to start preaching on those things. You got to preach it now. Amen. Can I tell you what I need? And it's what we all need. I need God. And I pray that God will and he does. I need God to put my nose to the grind and to remind me every day that if I let up one bit, that if I ease up one bit, that if I back up one bit, I will not have tomorrow what I have today. Amen. And can I tell you, friend, every morning that my feet roll out and hit the floor. I'm glad the good Holy Ghost reminds me it's not time to sit on the sideline. It's not time to play games with God. It's time to get busy and to do all you can while you can for the glory and the honor of God. Amen. Brother, I'm telling you, I don't want to draw a paycheck to you. I want to make a difference. Today may be the last day we have to serve God. I'm not going to finish this sermon. So guess what? Part two tonight. Amen. Lord willing. We all live. Jesus don't come and the creek don't rise. Part two tonight. Amen. Can I tell you something? I'm just going to preach this. And we'll get to that text later. The environment in which he grew up, he was, he was in in chapter nine. You remember in chapter nine, he's praying. He's pouring out his heart. He's pouring out his soul. He's burdened 19 verses of chapter 9. Daniel is so broken and so burdened. The reason there's a chapter 10 is because there was a chapter 9. Had Daniel not got broken, God would have never sent Gabriel down. He saw the one vision the 70th week. But then God said, I'm fixing to extend upon that vision in chapter 11 and 12 and give you more detail. But there was hindrances in the way. Can I tell you, that's what the devil is doing. There's a spiritual warfare going on. I'm I'm telling you, don't you think for one minute the devil's going to roll over and let us just keep on doing what we're doing without a struggle, without a fight. There's going to be a battle from without and there's going to be a battle from within. You know what we've got to do as a church? We've got to stick together, amen? We've got to have longevity in membership. When somebody gets wrong and somebody backslides on God, we ought to all pray that person back to the altar, amen? When we see, you don't go to them, you don't not say nothing to them, you leave the pastor and up to the pastor pastor, amen, but you ought to pray and you ought to ask God when you see them straying, you ought to pray that they get right with the Lord, amen. Don't you get tired of seeing people quit church and seeing good people leave because the devil picks them off one person at a time? Brother, I'm telling you, that's a spiritual warfare. Have you ever, you know those times we come into church and uh, we get in here and sometimes, uh, I mean, it's just feast or famine, you know that, and it ought not be that way. It's not God's fault. It's not the book's fault. It's not the Spirit's fault. 
But a lot of times we come to church and listen, you got to set your mind toward worship is what you have to do. You have to prepare your heart. I have to do the same thing. You have to pray and you have to ask God. You have to dismiss things from your mind, thoughts from your mind, uh, burdens from your mind, problems from your mind. When you and I come to church, we all have to come together in unity and in one frame and one mind with the desire to worship and to hear from heaven. Is that right this morning? You know why? Because we are responsible for setting the atmosphere in the church uh, that God's presence might be amongst us. Amen. Now sometimes as a pastor, you have to go places where you're unwanted because it's your responsibility. But never as a guest. I remember going to a restaurant not too long ago and this is my motto. I went to a restaurant and I told my wife, I said, I don't think we're coming back here no more. I don't ever complain. I don't think as a Christian you ought to do that. A steak that's not cooked is not worth a testimony. Can I get an amen? Just eat it or just, if you don't eat it, leave them a halfway decent tip and put a track in there and just don't go back. Is that right? Don't lose your testimony in Christianity over a steak. That's, I'll buy you a steak, amen, if that's the case. But I'm not, I, that's just a man. But I was at this restaurant and this lady, I, I noticed that she was waiting on us. I don't know if y'all ever experienced this, but everything that I asked her, I felt like was just getting on her nerves. I felt like that she just, you know, she just didn't want to be there. Maybe she was having a bad day. But I mean, I felt like I was in the army, you know, trying to order a plate in the army. And I told my wife, I, we, the further it went, the worse she got. And so we just kept quiet. And I said to myself, you know, I don't think I'm coming back here. And can I tell you, a lot of times, that's the way we are. If we go someplace and we're unwanted, guess what? We don't go back. You ever been someplace you didn't feel like you was wanted? You know what? You don't have to be told a second time. How many times does the presence of God feel unwanted in our churches? He wants to come, but people are asleep. People come dragging in. They hadn't talked to him all week. They come in, they sit down. They're not interested in what's taking place. Their minds are somewhere else. They're in their cell phone. They're, listen, they're, they're writing notes just about something else. They're working on their schedule for the week. And all the while God is desiring to come. And to me, you see, you and I set the atmosphere. The man of God preaches, but there's no amens. There's no hallelujahs. There's nobody even agreeing with the truth. People sit in silence like a bunch of wooden Indians and watch what takes place spectators uh, rather than participators. Uh, the singer sings uh, and everybody just quietly listens. Uh, you don't got to act like me and you don't got to act like Brother Barnes uh, uh, but you ought to enjoy what's going on. Uh, you ought to smile. Amen. Uh, you ought to nod your little Baptist head uh, as to what is being said. Uh, you ought to not let me know uh, uh, but you ought to care enough to let heaven know uh, uh, that you agree uh, with what is taking place. Uh, and oftentimes people leave the same way they come. The altar call is given an opportunity to do something and to do business with God but because of pride and prestige and because of fear that others may look at our Christianity and think something else of it rather than what we want them to think. We hold fast in our pews. We don't do business with God and we allow pride to send us out the same way that we came in and we wonder where he's at. I'm telling you friend God 
God would meet with us every time the doors are open. We've just got to prepare our heart. We've got to come hungry. We've got to come earnest. We've got to worship him in spite of who we are. Amen. Had someone tell me one time, they said, preacher, I'd get in, but you just don't know how sorry I am. I said, no, but God knows. They said, that's the problem. That's what hinders my worship is I feel God and I'm so sorry and low down as a Christian. I just feel like I can't worship him. I'm gonna tell you something, friend. I'm not worshiping God on merit. I'm worshiping him on mercy, amen. That's how I started out worshiping God. Had it not been for the mercy of God, I'd have went to a devil's hell. Had it not been for the mercy of God, I'd have never been able to see what he's let me see. I'm still worshiping him on mercy mercy this morning. You think I'm shouting because I've been good enough? You think I'm shouting because I've done everything this week I want to do and I ought to do and he said I should do? Oh no, I'm just shouting my friend because I'm not going to the pit, amen? I'm just shouting thank God because of in spite of my sorry old self, his mercies are new every morning. I say bless the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me. I say bless he holy name praise God Woo! I'm shouting thank God because of in spite of the accuser of the brethren who keeps a clear record of everything I felt brother Dwayne in spite of that he's let me live another week praise God I'm talking about this morning we got to get past ourselves to see him I think a lot of times He's so grieved. He's so unwanted. We say we want him. We we sing the songs about him. But he don't feel welcomed. You know, I thought about if I went a whole week, and it wouldn't even take a week, but if I went a whole week or even just a day and lived in the house with my wife, and I didn't say anything bad about her, I didn't mistreat her, but I just ignored her. I just acted like she wasn't even there. I just made all my decisions that day without ever consulting with her, without ever having a conversation with her. I wonder what she would feel like if I didn't talk to her for a 24-hour period. I wonder what she would feel like if I just went along life's way and let her live there and exist. You know what she would feel like? She would feel unloved. And oh, we have this treasure, an earthen vessel. I'm going to tell you something. This house isn't my house. It's God's house. Amen. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in you and you're not your own, praise God. You've been bought with a price. I'm glad, thank God, it ain't my house. It's his house and he's living inside his house. All he wants me to do is just talk to him. He just wants me to consult with him. He just wants me not to ignore him. He wants me to stay in tune with him. I'm telling you, friend, if you'll talk to God, he will talk back to you, praise God. He'll minister to your heart. I'm glad, thank God, there's somebody that's a living down deep in my soul, in the recesses of my soul. There's a God living, Brother Laddie, on the inside. Hallelujah. Woo! 
I'm telling you, friend, he'll fill you with a presence and the Spirit of God. He'll run you over. He'll be real to you. You just got to have a conversation with him. Well, I blowed that text, but I'll tell you this morning. It is good, ain't it? Isn't he wonderful? Oh, yeah. He's so real, Brother Laddie. Yes, he he's so good to us. I'm telling you, I don't even know why he's good to us. We're so sorry and low down. He ought to never even want to talk to us. It ought to be him ignoring us rather than us ignoring him. I'm telling you, he's always sitting there ready, saying, talk to me, fellowship with me. I want to hear from you. I want to help you. What a God. What a Savior. What a Lord. Hallelujah. Brother, I'm telling you this morning, that's what we need is some spirit-filled saints of God that talking to him on Sunday, he ought to just be an extension of what you've talked to him all week. I want to say, he's real. How close are you to him this morning? I'm going to tell you something about being close to God. Being close to God isn't that I do everything I'm supposed to do. Being close to Him is that I'm honest enough that when I don't, which is every day, that I just tell Him. You know what I told the Lord the other day? I said, Lord, I've told you so many times I'm sorry for being sorry. I don't know how many days I've had to say, God, I missed the mark. You know what He says? Oh, I know. Lord, I missed the mark. He said, I know. You come short of my glory. But I ain't never missed the mark. I'm glad that when I've missed the mark, I got a Savior who's never missed the mark. Brother, I'm telling you, you know how Daniel saw him in this text? I want to meet everybody in chapter 10. I want to meet Daniel. Don't you want to meet Daniel? I want to meet Michael, the archangel. I want to meet Gabriel, the messenger that was hindered. Well, not everybody. I don't want to meet the king of Persia and the king of Grecia. Amen. But I want to meet all them heavenly people in that text. I'll tell you who I really want to meet in that text. It's that certain man that he talked about. That man, his body, he said, was like topaz. He said his face shined like lightning. Hallelujah. He said his arms, his limbs was like burnt, burnt brass talking about his judgment he had on he had on the garb of a priestly robe like an Israel Israel's high priest he had that holy garment on that mediator praise God that goes between God and man I'm telling you shining like a topaz gem a beautiful gem more transparent than gold itself and my friend his face is shining you remember when he went up on the mount of transfiguration and he prayed the Bible said he took Peter James and John up in that holy mountain apart to pray uh, and the Bible said that when he prayed uh, his face his countenance uh, began to change uh, and it began to shine uh, he said his garment began to glisten amen uh, I was reading where one writer said uh, that my friend Moses come off the mountain uh, they put a veil over his face uh, because it shined uh, but I'm going to tell you something about that uh, that was just a mere reflection of the glory of God because Moses had stood in his presence uh, and
and God's glory was reflecting off of Moses' face. But when Jesus prayed, thank God, it wasn't a reflection. Amen. His humanity had to give way to his deity, and deity took over, and the glory of God literally ran out his face. And Daniel said, I saw him. Oh, praise God. I saw his face. I'm glad for a few times, Brother Daddy, I've been in church, and I've seen his face. Hallelujah. Ain't nothing like seeing his face. I'll tell you, you can see his face at home. You can see his face in that book. You can see his face in prayer. Sometimes going down the road, just a song or a whisper, you can see his face. Now I'm telling you, his garment glistened. That means to flash like light. You don't know how alive Jesus is when he got to praying. Even the garments that was on his body came alive because he's the very embodiment of life. Everything he touches lives. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, he don't get life. He gives life. Everything he touches, I'm glad for the day. Thank God his hand reached way down, Brother George, and he touched me, praise God, and I came alive. I'm talking about dead. In my trespasses and sin, but alive in Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Alive. Alive in Christ. Hey, you think about this this morning. John saw the same picture that Daniel saw in Revelation chapter 1. He talked about his voice being like many waters. Boy, it struck Daniel in such a way he had to have spiritual strength and spiritual help to go any further. You know something? There's something about when the presence of God pulls up next to you and becomes real to you. There ain't nothing charismatic about that, friend. That's just automatic. You know that? Brother, when he that lives inside you connects with that book, you want to be alive, and if you're saved, you want to be alive spiritually. You want God to be real to you every day. Read that book, amen. I'm telling you, we're all made of the same stuff. If I don't read that Bible, I'll dry up in a heartbeat. He still lives on the inside, but you got to get in that book every day. You don't just got to read it, amen. I'm telling you, it's like potato chips. The more you put in, the more you want, amen. I'm telling you, friend, uh, uh, listen, you just got to read it, amen. You may start out reading it not too hungry. Have you ever sat down and started eating and you wasn't hungry? Me and George. When you're a preacher, people say you're always hungry. No, they're always feeding you. And I've sat down before and I said, well, I'm really not hungry, but I'll eat something because I don't want to offend these people, especially somewhere. I, I was in a meeting one time and they put something on the table. I had no idea what it was. It looked terrible. Grant was with me. It was the first time he's ever with me. I barely knew Grant. I said, I don't know what that is, but you're eating it first. <laughs> Amen. He said, that looks disgusting. I said, I don't care. I said, I'm older than you are. You eat it and tell me how it comes out. Amen. <laughs> he took a bite of it. He said, it's the worst stuff I ever put in my mouth. I said, what is it? He said, I don't even know what it is. I said, well, I ain't eating it. Amen. <laughs> sure enough. Do you know something? I sat down at the table and I said, well, I'm not really hungry. But then I take a bite of something and all of a sudden the appetite has kicked in. That's terrible, but it's true. Do you know that's the same way it is with God? The flesh is the first one to speak up when you go to pray and read. And the flesh says, oh, you're not hungry. 
You've been to church all day yesterday. It's Monday morning. You got to go to work. You, oh, you're, you're, not, you're not hungry. Don't put that tape in. Listen, you, you, you hear so, you're preaching all the time. You, we, you just can't keep listening to it all the time. And the devil of seconds what the flesh says. You know what you do? Sometimes you just go ahead and eat anyway. Even when you're not hungry. If you'll just go ahead and read anyway. Just go ahead and pray anyway. Just go ahead and listen to some preaching anyway. Guess what? That spiritual man will start getting hungry. That appetite will kick in. You'll be amazed. Amen. I'm telling you, you know what will happen? You won't want the things of this world. Amen. I'm telling you, if you get some things out of your system, hey, it may rise up every now and then a craving. But if you never get it good and out of your system, guess what? You lose your appetite for it. Amen. Oh, thank God he'll help you to lose your appetite for some things. Amen. Brother, I'm telling you, if you'll pour spirituality in, guess what? I'm trying to quit, but I can't help it right now. If you'll pull some, pour some things in that spiritual man, guess what? You, that fleshly man, you'll starve him, amen? I say starve the flesh, feed the spirit, draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. There'll be a lot of faults and failures along the way. I'm telling you something, friend, she knows every fault. She knows every failure I got, but her love and that communication and thank God that fellowship it holds us fast together amen I think the longer you're married the more you tell each other I'm sorry hey don't y'all look so spiritual on me that ain't a halo that's your horns coming together amen that's right I think it's true I think you become more sensitive to the needs of each other your love for each other grows stronger. And you don't want to do anything to offend. But sometimes we know that happens because we're flesh. But you're quick to say, I'm sorry. You know what they are? They're quick to forgive. Amen. I'm glad for every time I've ever asked my wife, forgive me. She'd forgive me. Say something I'm not supposed to say. That's why I snapped. I'm sorry I snapped. She said, it's okay. We don't carry that account. I don't sleep on the couch. Somebody say amen. That's right. Amen. If my husband's side, if I was you and one of you women and my husband's side, he's going to sleep on the couch, I'd just go in there and tie his feet together and drag him back to the bedroom. <laughs> say, you know better than that. Amen. That's right. Some of you may want him to just so you can get a good night's rest. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you something. You know what? We make those wrongs right quickly. You know, it's the same way it is with God. I don't care what you've done this week. The problem with most people sitting in our churches that are saved is it's been a long time since they sincerely told God they were sorry. They live in their sin and their unbelief and they walk along life's way. They sing the same song, but they got no victory because they're afraid to repent. Repentance is the best thing that ever happened to any of us. It ought to be often. It ought to be daily. It ought to be every day in our life. We ought to say, God, I'm so sorry. Repentance is how we make every wrong right with God. And I'll tell you something about repenting over sin. You repent enough over it, you'll get as sick of it as God will. I want to tell you this. Laziness will not bother you 
until you have told God so many times you are sorry for being lazy. Till one day somewhere you come to God and you say, Lord, I am so sick of telling you I'm sorry over this one thing. I never want to do this again. Lord, please help me. And you're in good shape. As long as you let it just pile up and you go on and you go on and you excuse it and you make excuse for it and excuse for it, guess what? You just keep doing it. You just keep doing it. And he'll keep bringing it up. He'll keep bringing it up. I'll tell you this morning, this is not the sermon I plan to preach, but I believe this morning God wants me to preach this morning. I never really got into that text, but I just want to tell you this morning. What we need in our churches, we need some spirit-filled saints. We need some young people that get full of the Holy Ghost. If you're saved, He lives inside you. But you ought to surrender and let Him live in your house and let Him control your house. This morning, we need some mamas and daddies that'll surrender. I mean, quit making an excuse for why you're not doing whatever it is you're not doing. Just repent over it. Tell God you're sorry. And do and ask Him for help. That's what... That's what God did. He, if God would help an angel, and he helped Gabriel, if he'd sent him at refuge and help in this text, don't you think God would help us this morning? I know he will as we stand. The church needs power. Don't you want God's power to flow freely? That's all we are is just channels. I don't want to stand in his way. I don't want to get in his way this morning. I... I don't want to be the hindrance to God's power in my own life, let alone in anybody else's. But all this morning, I believe God's calling on us this morning. I, I didn't realize this, but it didn't take Him by surprise. I believe He's calling on us this morning to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to surrender our lives and say, God, I, I don't want to be a mediocre Christian. I don't want to just be known for going to a good church, carrying the King James Bible. God, I, I want to have a purpose. I want to serve a purpose in this life. It doesn't have to be known to man, but I want to do something that makes a difference for heaven's sake, that brings glory to God and that pleases my Father and pleases my Lord. While Brother Brian sings, if you need to come, would you come this morning?